This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me is a man that has been nicknamed the GOAT, but not because he's like Tom Brady, because we once caught him eating grass. He is the captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing on social media. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Does that mean you're a vegetarian, Captain? (laughs) Nothing goes better with grass than a nice cold beer. In the garage, we are drinking Fuzzy Baby Ducks IPA by New England Brewing Company. Garage grade, four and a half bottle caps out of five. What a fantastic Citra Single Hop IPA. One of Connecticut's finest beers from one of their finest breweries. Fuzzy Ducks was brought to us by some of our warm and fuzzy friends. First, we have Lisa, all the way from Bergen, Norway. Next, we have Jen and Sydney from Cincinnati, Ohio, who recommend Rheingeist Truth. Well, we have recommended Rheingeist Truth. We actually have some Rheingeist Truth in the refrigerator right now. And we've recommended Rheingeist Fiction as well on True Crime Garage. So mm-hmm. thanks to Jen and Sydney down in the natty. And a big thank you to Penny Lynn up in Saskatchewan. In Parts Unknown, we have Andrew who says, I love listening in my car, but... The other day, it was my turn to drive to lunch, and my co-workers hopped in my car just in time to hear about a strangulation. So that happened. Andrew also (laughs) says he loves the tunes on the show. Next, we go all the way to Taiwan. I think this is a true crime garage first here, Captain. Mm -hmm. We have Jan in Taipei City, Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Jan says, drink some more beer and keep up the great work. We also have Rebecca from Baltimore, Maryland. And finally, we have Marissa from... Berwyn, Illinois. Yes, Marissa says, try some Spotted Cow from Wisconsin. It's the official beer of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, done and done. I actually have a friend. uh, His wife is from up there. Okay. So she brings home Spotted Cow a couple times a year. 
so I've, I've had it multiple times. Why has it not made it to the garage fridge? I don't know. Ask Justin. You, you just ask oh, Justin. Okay, well, well, we'll check in with Justin. So thank you to everybody for buying the beer for this week's show. And if you want to buy us around for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And like always, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. I've been kind of lazy about the Snapchat. I was doing the Brian Wilson Snapchats in the morning. But uh, if you want any information on what Nick is drinking, he is on Untapped. Yes, it's like Facebook for drunks. And like always, big kiss, big like your gym for all the support that we get. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer, and let's talk some true crime. shooting in here at Sandy Hook School. Okay, what makes you think that? Because somebody's got a gun. I saw a glimpse of somebody. They're running down the hallway. Okay. Well. They're still running. They're still shooting. Right. Sandy Hook School, please. Oh. It's our 911. What's the address? It's 10 Dickinson Drive in Sandy Hook, Newtown, Connecticut. Okay, what's going on at 10 Dickinson Drive? It sounds like there are gunshots in the hallway. I'm a teacher in the school. Okay, where are you? are you in the school right now? I am in the school. I'm in your classroom. Okay, do you have everyone in the classroom and the door? All of my students. The door is not locked yet. I have to go. Okay, lock, lock the door. The door. Tell me, keep everybody calm. Keep everybody down. Get everybody away from the windows, okay? Yes. Okay. Right. Where are you in the school? I am in the, the hallway when you walk in the front entrance if you take a left. Okay. It's All right, just try to lock down the school, okay? We're trying, okay. All right, bye-bye. Okay. John, 911, the front glass was all shot out there. It kept, kept going on. Okay. It's still happening. All right. What about the students in the front of the building? Dude, dude, everything's locked up as far as I know. I'm not in the front. All right. You're in lockdown? Did you yeah, hear? they're in lockdown. Did you see anything out the window? No. It's still going on. I can't get over there. Okay. I don't want you to go over there. I want to know what's happening with the students, though, along the front corridor. This is in the front parking lot? Yes. I'm not, I'm not in the front. I'm actually down the other part, but I'm close. Okay. Do you see anything or hear anything more? I keep hearing shooting. I can't okay. keep hearing popping. Guys, guys, shooting at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown. It's 911 
right, Jen, let's get one let's get one caller. I'll take my caller. You know, I'll take my caller. All right, now who am I talking with right now? It goes to the rest. Pardon me? What's your name? Rick Storm. Rick Storm, all right. Rick, what is your position with the school? I'm, uh, I'm acting head to sodium today. Okay.
All right, are you okay right now? Uh, for now, hopefully. Okay. All right, just keep an eye on it. Try to keep pressure on it, okay? We have people heading out there. Okay, bye-bye. On Friday, December 14, 2012, 20-year-old Adam Peter Lanza woke up, gathered some of his things, shot his mother four times in the head as she lie in bed in her pajamas, probably still asleep, left the 22 caliber Savage Bolt action rifle that he used to kill his mother in her room, and at some time around 9.30 a.m., he got into his mother's Honda sedan and drove off. This event is very tragic and horrific. A lot of the events and a lot of the details will be questioned. Especially this next part here, because the thought is that Adam planned to drive to the Newtown High School. Mm-hmm. And I can't prove this, but it has been reported that someone close to the investigation has said that a vehicle matching the description to the vehicle that Adam was driving that morning had drove near the high school but never enter- entered the parking lot. There were two police cars in the high school's parking lot. If this vehicle was in fact the car that Adam was driving, he may have seen the police officer's vehicles and changed his plans at the last minute. And if this is the case, I mean, we we will never know. Uh, But he instead drove to the Sandy Hook Elementary School, which was just a short five-minute drive from the Lanza's home. Very interesting that there was some speculation that he wanted to go to the high school. But Adam ends up at Sandy Hook Elementary School around 9.30, 9.35. Yeah, Adam gets out of the vehicle. He leaves the door op- the doors open. He parked near the fire lane. Uh, he left a shotgun along with ammunition in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. This It's been thought that if he were to go into the school and do whatever he was planning, that if once first responders started to arrive, that he would have an option to go back to that vehicle retrieve that firearm and make a stand there in the parking lot. There's a couple of reports and you'll see this constantly as far as, and we'll get into some of the conspiracy stuff later, but there is a lot of reports stating that it wasn't a shotgun left in the car, that it was actually the AR 15. Uh, and that is not correct. It was actually the shotgun left in his vehicle. Adam was wearing black clothing. He had earplugs, sunglasses, and a green utility vest. Inside the vest, he had 10 magazines, each of them with 30 rounds of ammunition in them. He had two pistols in his military-style cargo pants. Uh, There was no one going in or out of the school at this time. Mm -hmm. Adam Lanza using his mother's Bushmaster XM-15 E2S rifle, uh, he shot out the glass. They had security doors that were basically locked that you couldn't get in without granting permission. Um, and he shot out the glass panels on these locked two front doors. In a, in a single second, he fired six shells into the glass, this creating a hole large enough for him to walk through. Anybody that has kids, uh, nephews, nieces, anybody knows that when you go to these schools now, almost every school that I've been to, they have to actually buzz you in. So you get to the front doors, they're locked. 
you have to they buzz you in you're on camera you have to identify who you are and this is definitely a step in the right direction from when we were in school i mean it's these are setting in place certain precautions so that the the bad elements don't make it in to the school near the front entrance uh, several of the faculty members were engaged into a meeting yeah and adam actually briefly stopped there for a minute and this is where the staff now knows that the pops that they had just heard were actually gunshots because they can Mm -hmm. see the man and they can see the firearms. In this commotion, someone accidentally tripped the switch to the PA or the intercom system. This is now projecting the noises and the voices that would be heard from this room in this area to the rest of the school. By this time, 911 calls are starting to be placed. Well, and maybe it's not an accident. Maybe it was this is a way to let everybody else in the school know what is going on. Yeah, I I think it's kind of maybe a uh, you know kind of an angel or God stepping in a little bit to to give some kind of warning to the rest of the school because mm-hmm. the person that that accidentally hit the switch uh, did survive uh, this this event mm-hmm. and and said that they had accidentally hit the switch when they were trying to run to the phone to to call nine one one. Adam is now inside Sandy Hook Elementary School, and the first 911 call has been placed. In the hallway, we have Principal Don Hotsprung, teacher Natalie Hammond, and psychologist Mary Sherlock. Now, they are confronted by the shooter here. Principal Don, she lunges at the shooter trying to grab the gun in, mm-hmm. a, in a moment of bravery, trying to save everybody. Yeah. Um, she's unable to do so, and Adam shot her several times. He then turns the gun on the psychologist. Natalie Hammond was shot several times, but she was lying on the floor. She lay very still on the floor until the shooter left the area. Afterward, Adam went down the hallway toward the first grade classroom. Natalie Hammond would actually survive this attack? Yeah, but the principal, Hotsprung, and psychologist, Sherlock, did not. As we know in these situations, people do not always know what is going on. You, of course, don't wake up in the morning expecting to hear gunshots that day. So when you do, it's not always clear what you may have heard. But also in this situation, we have some very young kids at school. And of course, some of them are just too young to comprehend what is going on. So some of the kids that are hearing this gunfire, now mind you, it's the noises are still going off over the intercom system. Um, some of these kids are saying things like they think maybe the army is at the school or that there's an animal loose in the school. It's an unbelievably sad situation as this whole situation is, but please, please keep in mind, there is only one monster here. There is only one unbelievably horrible person here. There are many, many honorable, brave heroes in this story. We have teachers, administrators, and faculty members that are doing everything that they can to try to save children's lives or save the lives of their co-workers. There are teachers who are hiding children, retreating to other spaces with kids. We have the principal who attempted to disarm the shooter. There's the custodian, Rick Thorne, who ran down the halls warning everyone that there's a shooter in the building. He was locking doors and telling teachers and children to get down and hide. Mm-hmm. Uh, teacher Victoria Soto barricaded kids in in a closet and told many of them to hide under desk. Well, you can hear on the 911 tapes uh, when the janitor is calling, there's gunshots happening in the background. Uh, again, this is, you know, not to bring up the conspiracy thing too much because w- we will talk more about it later, but a lot of people believe that those 
on those 911 calls that those gunshots are fake. Well, uh, those those gunshots are not fake, people. And that guy was running and trying to communicate with the 911 dispatcher as shots are being fired, as he's moving around the building. And uh, that is called bravery, and that's something uh, we should commend him for. Not only did teacher Victoria Soto barricade kids in a closet and telling other children to get under desk, but she ultimately ended up putting herself between the shooter and the kids. And he fatally shot her for doing so. When all the teachers were trying to keep the students calm, which is a lot more difficult when you have younger students not knowing what is going on. Yeah, and some of the teachers did this by praying with them or praying for them Mm -hmm. uh, out loud, uh, by telling them nice and soothing words and phrases. Some of them even telling the children that they are loved and that the teachers love them. Um, so we see the situation trying to keep everybody calm, but quiet as well and, and tucked away in, in these concealed areas to try to be not be seen by this maniac that's in the school. Jeff, just after 9.40 a.m., police hear the final shot that is fired. Adam, using the Glock pistol that he had concealed in his large cargo pants, put the gun up to the lower rear portion of his skull, and he fired the final bullet killing himself. The police and other law enforcement were already outside. It only took them five minutes to respond to the 911 calls. And when the police arrived, they had actually heard several shots before that final shot. Now, this is one thing that has caused some confusion over the years and and some speculation that need not be. Uh, When they first arrived, they thought that shots were coming from outside. Um, It was later determined that that may have been the case because some of the vehicles in the parking lot were hit with bullets. This would be because Adam was trying to shoot teachers who were actually running near windows. So the bullets are traveling through the school windows and hitting vehicles in the parking lot. And during all this chaos and confusion, Nancy Lanza actually receives a text message from one of her friends saying that there is something going on at Sandy Hook Elementary School. At 2.11 p.m. that afternoon, CNN reports the shooting suspect is named Ryan Lanza, and he is in his 20s. About 10 minutes later, Fox News reports the same, and a few minutes after that, MSNBC follows with the same information. Now, police had found an ID card for Ryan Lanza in Adam Lanza's clothing. Mm -hmm. Ryan Lanza was at work when he first heard about the shooting on the news. Just so anybody is confused, Ryan Lanza is the older brother of Adam. Yeah, he's about four years older than Adam. And he is still at work when he first hears that he is the suspected shooter in this event. Mm -hmm. Uh, After hearing this news, of course, he immediately leaves work without giving uh, any explanation as to why. Ryan quickly, and I won't, I won't say exactly what he had said, mm-hmm. um, but he basically posted on Facebook that he didn't do it. Uh, this is right. as he's leaving, you know, just after he's left work. Now, through text and Facebook messages, uh, he is communicating with his friends. Some of his friends are asking if he is okay. Others want to know how the news could jump to such a conclusion with no evidence because I mean, they're in contact with this person. Essentially there is evidence. I mean, because law enforcement, you have this kid, uh, which shot himself. He's dead. And, and you can't probably positively ID him right away. And then you have an ID on this individual 
that states who he is. Mm-hmm. But that's not being reported in the news. It's just being reported that Ryan Lanza is the, you know, they're not reporting that they found an ID of anybody. Well, and I don't, uh, are the, I don't think they're even reporting that the shooter is dead. Uh, no, they're, I mean, they are all over the map with what they're reporting at this time. Well, but that's the problem with news in general. I mean, we have this mentality now to be first who, who gives a shit about being right. We can uh, apologize later. Let's be first. And, And that's definitely not the way to cover any story, especially one as tragic as this one. So after Ryan has had some time to think about what's going on and try to process the information whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, that he has received, uh, he sends a private Facebook message to a friend, a very close friend, and he says, the shooter could have had my ID. And then a few minutes later, Ryan sent another message to the same friend saying, it was my brother. Oh, my God, I think my mother is dead. Yeah. There's probably a lot of thoughts going through Ryan's head at this moment. Uh, oh my God, what did my brother do? Is my family all right? He was, ex- he was estranged from his brother. He, they, he cut ties of communication, but, uh, this is some heavy stuff and I uh, will get back to it right after this quick beer break. This show is sponsored by better help. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out betterhelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off 
IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. And we are back. Thanks for everybody for sticking with us. We understand that this is very... uh tough information especially with the age of the victims yeah and there are more details about the actual attack uh that we obviously didn't cover in that first half and we're not going to cover them in the second half as well because of the age of the victims um you know i feel like we covered it pretty appropriately given the circumstance yeah i think a lot of the point of covering some of this stuff is to bring awareness and kind of understand what the psyche uh, of this individual was where this person was at. Is there any possible way that we could have prevented this? And none of those details really help us with that. And and you're exactly right. What we wanted to do here was really talk about uh, what was going on with the attacker, with the shooter, with Adam. 
beforehand so that we can, because there is that question of why when these things happen and it's never really fully answered, but Mm -hmm. we wanted to provide some information that you may not have heard before and information that is not so readily available as well to give us some insights as to what was going on leading up to this horrible event. And where we're at currently and covering this case, we have the news releasing some very bad information. Again, like I said, trying to be first and not trying to be correct. You're exactly right. The information that was coming out is not giving good information as to what actually took place in Newtown. And now we get this information that the shooter's name was Ryan Lanza, Hmm. who is 24 years old. He's at work when this situation took place. He's nowhere near the town of Newtown. And he's hearing this information. He's leaving work. And it has dawned on him. It's not been... It's not been presented to him or confirmed yet, but now he's he's getting the feeling that his brother was responsible for this and that his mother has probably been killed before this event took place. The news that would continue to come out that day, um, it, it again, it's, it's... Well, let's not call it news. Let's call it misinformation. Yeah, because it's bad information. Um, some of the other news is that stating that the shooter... They're still calling him Ryan at this point, that the shooter's mother was a teacher at Sandy Hook Mm -hmm. and that he had killed her and that Ryan's brother was found dead in Hoboken, New Jersey. They are now reporting that the suspected shooters, Ryan Lanza is 24 years old. Shortly after this, Ryan is arrested in Hoboken, New Jersey, near his home. Under interrogation, he is being asked by police if he knew what his brother had done. And he says, yes, he had seen the news about the shooting at Sandy Hook at work, and he knew his brother and mother were dead. That's what he's telling the police. Mm -hmm. After 5 p.m., the news stations start correcting themselves. And and we see this all the time, this backtracking. And it's just, it's irresponsible because because of a lot of this misinformation, and we'll get into this later, is is the conspiracy side. And if it wasn't for so much of this misinformation, we wouldn't have all these questions at the end. We'd be questioning the actual event, what we could do to possibly prevent it. But now all we're left with is questioning the actual event itself. Mm -hmm. So after 5 p.m., they start reporting that the suspected shooter was not, in fact, Ryan Lanza, but his younger brother, Adam. Mm -hmm. There was still more bad information to come out, though. This would be that Adam's girlfriend and the girlfriend's mother were reported missing in New Jersey. And we know that Adam did not have a girlfriend. So this is, you know, just not not correct. The parents of the school children and the family members of the teachers were told to go to the Newtown Firehouse. And this is where they would be reunited with their loved ones or given further instruction as to where to go or what to do. And we have family members there now. And they're, they're being reunited, but they still don't know many of the details of what events took place earlier. Yes, several of the kids are being reunited with their parents. And after a while, there's a whole bunch of parents from kids of basically two classrooms that are left. Now, these parents would be greeted by the governor who stood before them to give a very short announcement. Mm-hmm. And his announcement was only two of the children were taken to the hospital and they expired. Some of the parents started to scream. One man yelled out, where do we go? We want to be with our kids. 
The governor responded by saying, no one else has been taken to the hospital. Another parent then shouted, what does that mean? Are they all dead? And the governor says yes. At this point, we have a bunch of officers and law enforcement heading to the lands of home to maybe get some more clues. Yeah, because at this point, they've connected the black Honda that they found in the parking lot, the one that Adam was driving, mm-hmm. uh, as being that of Nancy Lanza's. The officers were actually expecting a potential gunfight when arriving. They didn't really know what they were walking into or, or, or had any expectation of what they might see or encounter. They entered the home without any trouble, though. They begin to swarm the house, moving methodically from room to room. The first thing that they notice is the house is extremely clean and well-organized. Uh, in They go down to the basement, uh, and the basement's extremely dark. They do see the military posters covering the walls, and covering the windows are those black trash bags fixed to the walls with duct tape. Mm-hmm. Upstairs, they find journals of Adams and drawings that he has made. Uh, in a closet of one of the rooms, they find neatly arranged hangers. There's five hangers with tan-colored shirts and five with matching khaki pants. Right. We kind of talked about that before, possibly that Adam wore a uniform. Yeah, like a self-created a self, uh, uniform. Right. Um, they find computers. Now, on these computers, all of these computers, the, the hard drives have been destroyed, and the internal disk have been scratched. These rooms had the windows covered as well with the trash bags. In the master bedroom, they find the body of Nancy Lanza. She's lying on her back, still in her pajamas. The 22 caliber gun that was used to kill her was lying at the foot of her bed. They would also find quite a bit of firearms in the house, as well as 1,600 rounds of ammunition. When law enforcement gets to the gun locker or the gun safe, there's no evidence that it was tampered with or broken into. They also find a photograph of Adam holding a gun to his head. They find three photos of dead bodies with heads that are covered in plastic and their bodies are covered in blood. They found a military uniform and Adam's first grade report card from Sandy Hook Elementary School. They also find a holiday card addressed to Adam from his mother, which contained a check. Now, the the card specified that the money was for a C-183, which I don't know exactly what that is, but what mm-hmm. police say or police believe is that the money was for a handgun. I think a lot of times when we have these tragic events, we, we're looking for the reason why, right? Mm-hmm. And we're also looking how can we prevent this. And there's some signs. I mean, we've talked about that in the last episode, but whether or not his mother found these pictures of these, these uh, dead individuals or... But we know that she found pictures of drawings that right. he's done. There's some disturbing stuff. I understand that at some point he was seeing a therapist. He should have been seeing a therapist the whole time. Forever. Like multiple visits mm-hmm. every week for, for a long, long period of time. Yeah, there's there's some obvious, obvious signs here to us. Um, there are some things here pointed out as well that, that show that Adam didn't just snap. He didn't right. just snap and get in a car with a single firearm and go into a school and shoot the place up. No, he, he, what we're seeing here is he took the time to try to destroy these computers. Mm -hmm. Uh, he also arrived on the scene with, with earplugs to, to muffle the sounds of the gunshots. Mm -hmm. 
um, with multiple firearms. Well, even if you go back further, I mean, this is kind of like, to me, uh, the best analogy I could use would be like a hurricane, Mm -hmm. right? It starts out in the ocean really small. And this started back when he's in middle school. And the and the storm just kept growing and growing and growing until it just came uh, to a peak, but also peaked at the same time that it hit land. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel that's kind of what it was. It, it, not only did he plan these events, you know, maybe days beforehand, this was a perfect storm storm leading up to this whole event. The other day I was discussing this case with uh, a friend of mine and I was going over some of the things that were found in the home uh, beforehand and after the fact. And one of the things that uh, that person found interesting was the 1600 rounds of ammunition. I mean, that, that number sounds very big and to see it on paper, it looks very big. Keep in mind, we know that he had at least 300 rounds of ammunition on his person because he had those 10 magazines each carrying 30 rounds in them. That doesn't even include the other firearms that were present at the scene. So that, it sounds like a lot of ammunition, right? Mm -hmm. And that was what really stood out and appalled this person that I was talking with. I did bring up to them though, you know, it, it, it's all kind of somewhat relative. You know, I have a, there's one gun that I own and it's a specific, it has a very specific form of bullet that it fires. And they're, they're called actually, BBs. They're actually very, uh, very common. It's a very common caliber mm-hmm. and they're very cheap as well. So last time I went to buy ammunition, they were having a sale and for everything was like 50% off or 60% off, something like that. So I bought a carton they only come in cartons and they vary in size, mm-hmm. but the carton that I purchased for, I think it was 30 bucks had 1200 rounds in it. So, so where 1600 or 2000 rounds sound like a whole bunch of like, like somebody that's stockpiling for world war three, that's actually not the case. Sometimes these, sometimes this ammunition just comes in bulk. I I don't need 20, 1200 rounds for anything that Mm. I can think of, but, uh, you know, that's what they sold it to me. And as we're on the point of what they found in the home, there are some pictures online and you can actually find a picture of Nancy's bedroom. And there is a pool of blood in the middle of the bed. And a lot of people, a point of controversy is that if she was shot at, at such close range and with as high power of a rifle that he used, that there would be more blood splatter on the wall. Right. Now, the, the pictures I've seen are so kind of far away from the bed, maybe feet away from the bed where they took it, that you can't really see any blood splatter on the wall. Again... I mean, I, I am not a forensic expert, so I don't know how it would actually react. Mm-hmm. Or or were, was this picture taken after they uh, collected evidence and then maybe washed the walls? I'm not for sure. But, it, but there is a large puddle of blood in the middle of her bed. And then we even talked yesterday, well, where was she laying? Was there a bunch of pillows around her? Um I mean, who knows? I mean, and and would that kind of block some of this splatter? Well, and when we see these photos, you know, especially in this situation, they don't have to release this photo and then explain to you point by point, this is what's going on and this is what we think happened. Mm -hmm. And here's the evidence of such. They don't have to do that. We know who did this. 
we know about this crime and they, they're going to not release everything on purpose. We, I mean, we just know that not every question needs to be answered when you have, have a solved crime and they don't owe that to us as a public either. Well, people that think that this is a point of conspiracy, I'd question, okay, well then, then who is Ryan and who is Peter Mm -hmm. and who is Nancy? And are, do they all just work for the CIA and they're just, uh, they came out of nowhere and they're all actors and their life never existed. There is tax records for one. Uh, we, we know Ryan is a real person. We know Peter's a real person, you know, and they don't take into account that what, what about somebody like Ryan that, you know, even though his brother did these heinous things, his brother had a lot of issues and he lost his brother and then he lost his mother. And to start saying that this is this is a point of conspiracy, it's demeaning to their loss. Yeah. And it's demeaning to all the children's losses as well and the family losses and the community losses. Well, and some of the evidence that's collected, things that they saw at the scene, does that present questions? Of course it does. But there are are there logical answers to these? Absolutely. There are mm-hmm. absolutely logical answers to these questions. Yeah, and as all this misinformation from the news outlets is coming out and the law enforcement trying to do their investigation, we have a lot of victims, and uh, they need to have funeral services for these victims. Yeah, and there's, you know, we, ha- we have to have so many services over the course of a period of time. I think it took over a week to provide all the services Mm -hmm. and they were having multiple funerals per day. Um, One thing that was created out of this amongst others, but there was a thing called the chase foundation. Now this was in uh, remembrance of chase Kowalski. He was one of the children victims that day. Uh, He was seven years old. Uh, Chase's mother believes now this is something that she had communicated to loved ones at chase's service uh, she believes that she had actually seen Chase after uh, after death, that he had came to her in a vision, and he had appeared to her to provide strength and comfort and wishing she would move forward with charitable work. Mm-hmm. Chase came to his mother so, so she could explain to her husband the scope of this thing, that this thing is so large that there are so many people around the country and the world that are victims the families and their community that they were going to be touching. They were going to be changing lives with this Mm -hmm. foundation. The Kowalski started the chase foundation, which is not, which is a not for profit scholarship organization started in chase's honor. And she believes her son came to her to tell her that the creation of this foundation will save lives, change building codes, demand gun and ammunition control and bring God back into America. And investigators at this point feel like they can make a statement on their findings of this event. Yeah, this would take them some time to put it together. But this is this is all going to revolve around items that they found at the home, Mm -hmm. um, as well as those journals that we talked about that were found in Adam's room. Now, basically, they they give him a title. They they basically call him a glory killer. Mm -hmm. And what they mean by this is is that they didn't feel that any of his disorders is what caused him to do this. They also didn't feel that this was something where he had just snapped and woke up and decided to go and do this. They believed that this is something that he planned out. Maybe not this attack specifically, Mm -hmm. but that he had planned to attack 
somebody somewhere at some point. And their evidence of this is that the, the length of time that he spent putting together that spreadsheet that we discussed that had what he listed as the top 500 mass killers. And he had all this information on, on them. Remember this was in nine point font. Okay. Uh And it was, it was seven feet in length and four feet wide. The spreadsheet, it's a massive spreadsheet with all kinds of information on it. And they believed that him studying each one of them was a form of training that he was almost training himself and learning from their mistakes and learning from things that he thought that they had done correctly to kind of set himself up for this event. They also didn't believe that bullying was involved. They, because they felt that if he was angry or if he wanted revenge, that he would have in fact have gone to the high school and not to the elementary school. Right. But we do, there is some evidence that points that he was going to go there. Right, right, but we we can get into into the thought, the psychology of that a little mm-hmm. bit later because it ties into to something that we're going to talk about. Um, the other thing is, they believe that that the killing of Nancy was just something that he that had to take place. That that maybe she wasn't an actual victim that he was targeting, but his whole goal was to carry out an attack, and right. he was not going to be stopped in the process that she was something that was just necessary to do because had she seen him taking the car, loading the car up with guns, she could have called the police and put an end to what he was attempting to do. Right. He was going to kill himself and he was going to, I don't know that make a statement is the correct phrase, but he was going to, he was going to go and take as many people with him in the process. This was his quote unquote mission mm-hmm. and he wasn't going to be stopped by his mother or anybody. Yeah, I don't agree with a lot of their findings. Um, I'd say I'm probably 50-50 on what I agree with them on, Um, but I I am not an expert. Well, and that, yeah, I'm with you, Captain. There there are some things I agree with in that statement and some that I don't, but but again, we're not seeing the things that they got to see. Uh, We're not able to review all of the evidence here, and I think that we do have to label that as an expert opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not fact, but it's, it's an opinion of people closest to the information and closest to the case. And I think there's a lot of value, uh, in that, that opinion, whether I agree with all of it or not. The other thing that I for, that I forgot to mention was that, you know, we talk about mental illness and, and these different aspects here, uh, of Adam and what was going on. They, they also believed that they didn't want to title him a psychopath Mm -hmm. um, because their beliefs are that a psychopath would carry out a a crime like this, but want recognition that would want to see what he had done and want to read about in the paper, see it on the news and, and not get not, you know, killing himself is not really getting the credit. And on top of that, he's trying to hide a lot of the things that he, that, that were going on with him beforehand. Well, I actually don't buy that at all. Just knowing the amount of research that he's done on these mass murders, knowing that these, um, knowing that the attacker normally doesn't make it out alive, so you could still be a psychopath, knowing that yeah, well, I'm either going to commit suicide or they will take me down, but this will be recognized, mm-hmm. and so you don't need to see, you know, and and then also just knowing. It, you know why 
Why did he kill so many and then take his life? You know, I think he knew he, he had a number that he was trying to hit. And he knew that based off all this information that he collected, I need to do this much. And if I do this much, it will be talked about. So another point where I don't fully agree with him. On. And, and I'm with you. I think, I think he was trying to get to some kind of number that he had created. And I think that he only killed himself after believing that he had reached that bar that he mm-hmm. had set. Now, uh, we talked about that video game that he was playing combat arms where you actually got a credit, a kill credit for, for killing yourself in a, in a mission or, or in that gameplay. I've never played the game, but that's how it was explained to me. Right. Uh, one wonders had, you know, once he reached whatever number that he had set or believed that he had done so, Either he wasn't brave enough to take on the police and or killing himself up that number by one. Well, and killing his mother does the same thing. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, uh, well, that's just a bad term. I was going to say kill two birds with one stone, but basically that's what it was. I mean, you, you need to kill your mother. Therefore she can't stop you. And all, by the way, she adds to the kill count on the uh, Wikipedia page. Do we want to address any of the hoax theories, conspiracy theories that have come up uh, regarding this case? Because here's the problem, Captain. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when we started looking into this case, um, if you just Google search Sandy Hook or Newtown, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, almost all of the information that comes up early in those searches is is hoax or conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, it's, you have to sift through a lot of that before you can find any real information other than, you know, the Wikipedia pages. Well, I think we, we covered the whole blood splatter in the bedroom. Uh, I think there is some logical explanation. They're not giving us every detail. So there's probably some logical explanation that we just are not presented with that information. The other thing that we talked about was, saying that the a uh the ar15 was found in the car well that was misinformation by the media it was actually a shotgun that was found in the car and so little things like that start making you go well they claim that all these children were killed by with the ar15 but how could that happen when it was in the car that's just misinformation by the media the other thing too and i get so sick of this if you go on youtube with any of these mass shootings, they do this thing where they take a picture of Adam and they and they take a different picture of Adam, just like one from maybe a year later or six months later, and they put them side by side. And then they start making the claim that it's not the same person. That somebody switched out these people at some point. Right. Like this is a clone or this is some... Or it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, if you take a picture of me and you put it by a picture of me... From three months later, and you look at it long enough, maybe you'll find little differences. But it's crazy to me that there's, you know, tons of these videos going. See, and it's some idiot on the other side going. Uh, if you if you notice the picture on the left, his hair looks a little different than the picture on the right. No shit, you know. But let's let's just go with some logic that it's probably the same person. Mm-hmm. So those little claims just drive me nuts. Um, we, we talked about the second shooter theory because of the misinformation of the media, you know, one of the, one of the parents were arrested at the scene Yes, and this individual was coming up to the school 
There was gunshots being fired. He then uh, ran to the edge of the building. To He was trying to look in the window of the classroom uh, where his child was. Mm-hmm. You know, be, I mean, that's a heroic event from a father. He's just trying to see if his kids are okay. The police see him. He then takes off running from the building. Yeah. Uh, there's several individuals that are running from the building because uh, it's the fight or flight mentality. And they decided to flight. And the, they were arrested and they were questioned. And the big thing here was he had camo pants on and a black shirt. Yeah, and he was actually seen by um, some of the other parents as being handcuffed and put into a police cruiser. Um, I believe he was showing up to, he was going to work on some project with the kids that day, like build gingerbread cookie houses or something. And he, he when he arrived, the glass was shot out. But mm-hmm. he's still hearing the gunfire that's going on inside the school, so he doesn't go in. And when he sees the police, when they when they you know say, "Hey, stop!" you know, get down or whatever they tell him to do, um, he he actually thinks that they might be the shooters. Uh, he's mm-hmm. totally out of his element and don't know you don't know what's going on in this situation. It's pure chaos, right? And he thinks that maybe the police are the shooters. He hightails it to the woods, and as you said, he was arrested. And when people say, well, that's crazy that he would have thought that the police officers were the shooters, it's not crazy because when you watch video footage of Columbine or even some of the stuff that Adam was wearing, it's very militant. And so, therefore, that's not crazy. So that's, again, misinformation from the media. And so, therefore, it's a conspiracy or it's a hoax. The whole idea that this is a hoax so you're going to have to invent 27 people. You just have to, out of thin air, invent 27 people that never existed. The idea that it's a hoax, that it just never happened, and it was a drill, is frankly one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Now, with that being said, when people say, well, was it a conspiracy? When you start thinking of the idea of, let's say, Adam went in to 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 this tragic event happen did politicians did the media spin it for agenda definitely you know the and and but did they create fictitious characters to spin their agenda i don't i don't believe so i think there was so so much misinformation that it just lead to this complete chaos as far as a media storm well and if you're trying to control guns um those laws didn't pass so, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, if they wanted to do, if they being the government wanted to absolutely do something, they would just do it. Right. They wouldn't cause this horrible event. Now, I do want to go back on something uh, real quick before we go forward. Uh, talking about, is it crazy to think that the police are the shooters? Well, he's not identifying them as police officers, obviously. Right. And here's the thing. When you're in this situation, do you have time to sit there and analyze the person you seeing as being the potential gunman or just somebody else? No, no, you run, you get out of there. And, and this can be explained as easy as this. One of the calls that the dispatchers were sending out to the police officers arriving on the scene, they're reminding all police officers that the gunman has not been identified yet. They don't know if it's one shooter or multiple shooters. Right. So if you are a plain, are you you are off duty and in plain clothes and civilian gear, mm-hmm. that when you arrive at the school, you must be wearing your riot gear. 
put on put on that riot gear because that will be the only thing that the cops will have time to identify you as being a police officer rather than being just some man with a gun. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, so, it's an extremely logical situation to understand that this poor man whose daughter is in the building hears gunfire that he would think that a police officer from a distance might be the shooter. Yeah, and I think, uh, so there's two points there as far as conspiracy goes that you talked about. One, the 911 tapes. Mm-hmm. So the 911 tapes, there's a lot of dispatchers that uh, did say there's possibly you know, more than one shooter. Right. We know with Columbine that they didn't go into the building. They didn't go into the high school, for, you know, for a while because the reports from the people inside the building, the students inside the building saying that there was eight shooters. Right. Well, did six of the shooters just disappear after they entered? No, it was just misinformation. It was just eyewitness account that was not correct. And in a state of chaos, you're going to get some misinformation. So that's one thing about the 911 tapes, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 common that when there is a shooting that they think, well, maybe it's one person, maybe it's more. And especially if you're using an assault rifle, that there, I bet there was plenty of people thought that just the amount of shooting taking place possibly couldn't be done by one individual. Well, in the echoing effect that would take place, mm-hmm. okay? And to add to that chaos, not only are you hearing these noises coming from the actual gun, but you're hearing them then repeated over the intercom system. Now, so, and, yeah, well, with the Freedom of Information Act, a lot of people give it a, a bunch of shit. If, if you listen to our trailer, I think seven 911 calls. There was more 911 calls released. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them didn't have any uh, informational value. There are some of the 911 calls that were not released. And what the police department basically stated, and they, they stated it multiple times, was there's some things on these tapes that don't help you understand the case anymore. Right. You do not need to hear 911 tapes with children crying and ch- children taking their last breath. And stuff like that. And as a true crime fan, as much as I want to hear that information, by holding that information back, you are protecting the family. You are protecting um, the you know the victims' loved ones. You're protecting that community, which they should. And if you're sitting behind a computer screen and you're you're hunting for this information and you're upset or angry that you cannot find it or you think that you deserve to be able to review that information, mm-hmm. well. Just instead, why don't you count your blessings and be thankful that you've never been in a situation like these victims or the victims' families have been in? No, I I, I totally agree, but and, and but I totally understand why people want to have that information so they can put together more of the pieces of the puzzle. The other thing too is Ben Wheeler was one of the victims. I believe he was six years old. His father and mother were both actors. Now, by them being actors. Everybody, when they were giving their press conferences and stuff like that, they start Googling his parents and then realize, well, they were actors. Yes, they had a profession. They both were actors. And therefore, they made up enough money where they can move to the area and have their kids go to this uh, school. You know, And by all accounts, um, Sandy Hook was a school that people wanted to send their kids to. Is it that odd that 
a mother and father would have the same profession. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the you know most common ways that adults you know meet each other as as adults and, and start relationships is at work. So the other problem with Ben Wheeler's uh, father is he looks a lot like an FBI agent, and so there is this. There's these scenes that if you he looks like a specific sorry I don't mean to interrupt but he looks like a specific FBI agent or just somebody that would like no he looks like he looks like a certain one okay and and so there's all this footage of these guys showing up gearing up in their SWAT gear and then entering the school or now helping with this tragic scene okay Mm -hmm. so if you watch the footage and you compare the pictures. I'll 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 be frank. When I saw the pictures, I thought, "Holy shit!" Oh. There there is something going on. Yeah, that's if you just look at the pictures with one guy in full right gear with the helmet on and all these things. If you see pictures of Ben's father, you know, hours afterwards, mm-hmm. if you can find those pictures, he is going bald, but has some hair. If you watch the footage of the, the the officer, I believe he's an FBI agent that's gearing up in full SWAT gear. You can see footage of him getting out of his car right. and starting to put on his gear. Shaved head, bald. They've identified what the FBI agent's name was, and then again, if you compare, you know, if you compare the two pictures with the guy in his full gear, you're like, ah, that seems very uh, fishy. Once you see the guy getting dressed and putting all his stuff on, you go, that's not the same guy. Unless this guy that's going bald can somehow grow a bunch of hair within hours. Yeah. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I will admit that when I first saw it, I I thought, well, there's something here. If you can grow hair in a matter of hours and replace all that hair falling off your head. You'd you'd make be a millionaire, right? A billionaire that you would have something there, right? Another thing that comes off as odd, and I didn't have a logical explanation of this. You'll see a lot of these hoax or conspiracy theory videos where there's people outside the school building and they're just kind of walking in circles, okay? Mm-hmm. And there seems to be no rhyme or reason. And it seems like a lot of chaos. It's almost uh, the way the conspiracy theorists put it is, well, we have all these actors and we have the school and we're just going to have these people pretend and we're just going to have them scatter around and kind of walk in a loop. Were these people that were coming, that had come out of the school? Some are coming out of the school. Some are 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 people people that that are arriving at, at the building. Um, I couldn't make a lot of logical sense out of this until I watched the documentary Newtown. Right. Now, I, I like I said, if you want to watch it, go for it. There's not much information. It is a cry fest. Um, it was difficult to watch and has frankly made uh, just doing the podcast this week even harder by watching it. Um, so I wouldn't recommend that. And I'll tell you what, though. There is some logical reasoning for that. When well, here's the logical reason. Go for it. Okay, so when I was watching this documentary, the the piece that I got out of it was one of the fathers said, you know, I, I arrive, I don't know what's going on. He said, I paced for a long time. 
I must have did over a thousand laps. And when I heard the one of the victim's fathers said, I must have done a thousand laps. He's just walking in circles, not knowing what the hell happened to his kid. And yeah, he's not talking to anybody. Nobody has any answers for him. And there's a swarm of media and he's just beside himself, uh, you know, almost in a a trance. Mm -hmm. And that's the only logical explanation I can come up with for that one. Yeah. The thing here is though, too. Okay. We have a situation where the, the, the stress level is off of the charts. It's, it's something that most of us cannot even comprehend. And we know that we we don't know that how someone would react in that situation. Where right. I mean, you're talking about this is basically combat war type situations. And the other thing too, not, to top off that stress level, this traumatic situation that you're going through. If you were in the building, you the the loud gunfire. Remember, Adam had put ear. You know, he had earplugs in. He came equipped. The people that he was attacking, they're hearing these loud, extremely Mm -hmm. loud noises that are echoing off of every wall. That in itself will disorient you as well. Uh, Another thing that conspiracy theorists bring up is there's a lot of vehicles outside of the school that are black or silver. And there's a lot of vehicles uh, that are involved in this case that are Honda vehicles. Right. Um, Adam's mother's vehicle was a Honda. One of the teacher's uh, cars that was shot up was a Honda. What is the logical explanation? Were there a bunch of people that worked for the middle? You know, first of all, there are other units that sent people. So so you'll get a lot of government workers will have black or gray cars. The fact that there was a couple of Hondas involved. Black or silver cars. It just and, and it doesn't the, matter to me. I think it's somebody gra- well, grasping it's at straws. It's absolutely silly because what are we re- reminded of when we watch TV? Anybody that's seen a Honda commercial, mm-hmm. we're reminded time and time again how they are one of the number one selling brands, especially a Honda Civic or a Honda Accord. Right. They're, they've been number one selling cars time and time again. So, so it's a very popular car, first of all. And then second of all, it doesn't take much research, Einstein, to figure out that black and silver are usually the most popular colors of vehicles that are purchased as well. So you're exactly right. This is somebody just grasping at anything. The other thing that, the other thing that is absolutely silly that I saw time and time again on the Internet as far as hoaxes go or conspiracy theories was there's still this argument that we are being lied to and that Nancy was in fact actually a teacher at the school or that she was some form of volunteer at the school. Right. And, and why they keep going back to that, I, I, I cannot figure the value in it if she was a teacher or if she was a volunteer or if she had nothing to do with the school at all. It doesn't really affect what happened. This event still happened. She's dead, and we have all these other victims. It doesn't matter what her employment status was. And second of all, no kidding that that that, that conspiracy theory came out because we reported all the misinformation that came out early on in this case. I right. mean, they, they, they didn't were, even have the suspect's name right. They didn't have the suspect's name right. They they created some <laughs> fictitious girlfriend, and and her mother was missing from New Jersey. Uh, 
They, yeah, nobody's dating Lloyd Christmas that's wearing the same outfit every day. The kid wouldn't leave his basement unless he was going to the shooting range or to rent a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, so He probably smelled like Fritos. There's all this bad information, and that uh, unfortunately gives birth to a lot of these conspiracy theories. Yeah, and look, the black and gray car. I, look, yeah, you. I do think somebody's grasping at straws, but if there's any validity to it, yes, I don't have an answer. Just like the blood splatter. I don't have an answer. I do believe that there's some logical uh, reasoning for that. Um, and then a lot of people bring up the coroner. The coroner, if you want to watch something that is so utterly confusing, you know, these children were not brought to the ER. Right. Another conspiracy theorist. When the, when the ER doctor was, when they questioned him, I think it was Congress that questioned him, and they said, did you treat these victims? He said, yes, we did. And then he stopped himself and said, well, actually, we didn't because most of these victims were such a at a young age and they were hit with such um, these bullets from the AR-15 that explode when they hit their victims that the average victim had three to 11 bullet wounds Mm -hmm. and that they're basically dead when the, the cops arrived. And so a lot of conspiracy theorists go, well, see. See this, uh, you catch this doctor in a lie. No, he misspoke. And he's misspeaking in front of a bunch of people. Um, you know, and it, you know, it's a t- touchy subject. And trust me, you know, we get into the garage, and the garage is a comfortable area for us. And we're drinking some beers, and we misspeak speak all the time. I just did it right there. <laughs> So I was talking about the coroner, like I said, if you want to see something that's very uh, nerving, is the coroner makes some very odd jokes. Uh, I think it's in poor taste. Uh, I think it's also somebody that examines uh, dead bodies for a living, and their sense of humor is going to be a little different than the average person. But he's, he's you know, well-educated to have that position. He certainly mm-hmm. knows better. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it because we've talked to detectives and we've talked to doctors, you know, and they some of them can have a dark sense of humor to try to get them through their day. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I have it, too. I mean, just based off what we do on the show, there's sometimes I'll see a meme about a serial killer and I'm cracking up and I feel like the most awful, weirdest person in the world. But you, you know, should you should <laughs> you should <laughs> you should. Any more conspiracy stuff that you want to touch upon? Yeah, there's a couple things that are a little odd. One is there's a picture of a victim of Sandy Hook where they, um, well, actually three things. There's a picture of a victim from Sandy Hook that was also used in this terrorist attack overseas. And you can find this information pretty easily. And there's this lady giving a speech and there's all these pictures of these victims, and clearly one of the pictures of the victims of Sandy Hook is on the podium. I have no explanation for this. I, I don't know what to think of this. Could it was one of the one of the young boys was right. the victim and at Sandy Hook. Could it just be a look alike? I mean, there there are people that look like one another. It's it's very possible, but from the evidence I've seen, it looks like the almost the exact same picture. Uh, so that's odd. The other thing that people bring up a lot of times in this case is that Sandy Hook was dis- demolished 
and that also um, Adam's home was demolished as well. Mm-hmm. Now, the community voted to have Sandy Hook be destroyed, so none of the parents right. or, you know, a lot of these parents had other children that would be attending the school, and for them to have to really live these events over and over doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I don't have a, a lot of explanation for why the the uh, Adams house was destroyed. It's uh, not uncommon, though. You know, when when we've seen this with Ed Gein's house, yeah, and and countless other homes. You know, there were there's been crimes in in Cleveland and in Columbus and in Cincinnati that that they've destroyed the homes uh, where horrible events have taken place or where the perpetrator of such had lived. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's not an uncommon thing to destroy homes. And and absolutely, uh, in my opinion, the school needed to be taken down. You right. Know, and it, and cons- th- yeah, conspiracy theorists and hoax theorists <clears throat> will say that this was a way for people to cover up evidence. Yeah, yeah, to hide to hide what really had happened. And and uh and now I misspoke cuz Ed Gein's house was destroyed by somebody. It wasn't destroyed by the community. Um but I think it's also a way with these mass murderers or or people that have sick twisted minds, sometimes they they turn these things into shrines. Mm-hmm. Um so again, it's odd I think, you know, spend some time Diving into that, if that's your thing, uh, I think you'll find some logical reason uh, if you dive into those things. Well, and you have you have a grieving community, you know, whether these whether some of the people had children attending that school or not, you have a grieving community. Mm -hmm. And after that grieving process takes place, hopefully there's a healing process that takes place. And I don't believe you can heal until with with some of those memories still around with some of with with those buildings being mm-hmm. around uh i mean sometimes we should just call me captain conspiracy because i do dive into the conspiracy side of things multiple times a lot of talk lately on social media when when people knew we're doing this case was the actors the actors that were paid to be witnesses now if you look up this this happened in aurora this happened with Sandy Hook, this has happened multiple times. Whether and whether or not it's the you know like CNN or Fox, there's been several media outlets that have been caught red-handed paying people to act as witnesses. Now, to me, this doesn't have this doesn't lead to the idea that it was a conspiracy or that it was a hoax. What to me this leads to is that news media has agenda right and and so by you know we see this i think the last one was cnn had a uh, uh, trump rioters mm-hmm. and they figured out well it wasn't it wasn't actual rioters it was you know cnn's cameraman you know look i understand that you have to create content but the fact of the matter is this this whole new way of doing news being first who cares about being right and all if we have to manipulate the news, if we have to pay or fake eyewitnesses, um, then at least we have a story that we have content. Well, I just think that is utter bullshit. I don't think it's responsible. And you know what? When when news is, they do it because news has become so competitive. You know, there's these 24 hour news networks. There's news everywhere. It's become so competitive. But you would think that at the same point that that would be their fear. 
You know, if we are caught red handed mishandling information or giving out bad information that the that would be the death of us, that the viewers would move on to somebody else. Yeah. And I, I actually wish people would. I mean, if you're going to constantly give out misinformation, if you're going to fake content, then yeah, stop listening to that. Stop watching that. Stop going with their agenda. Stop paying these people money by you watching them. They get ads and all that stuff. And just knock it off. I mean, it's just not responsible. Um, as far as I know that Alex Jones has talked multiple times that he's going to dive back into this because of the, you know, the misinformation and trying to get to the bottom of it. Again, look, I'm a fan of Alex Jones. I've, I've watched several of his videos. I watched several several of his videos on Sandy Hook. Um, I don't think Alex Jones is a bad guy, but he, he has an agenda as well. I mean, and his audience is the conspiracy, the truth seeker audience. Um, I My hope is that he actually dives into it and looks at it on a realistic level and un- uncovers the actual truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes when people say, well, I'm a, truth, I'm a truth seeker. Well, I think you're more of a question seeker mm-hmm. and you're not trying to find the answer. You want, once you, I think a lot of people's attention spans are so small that they get to the point where they find the question and they don't dive in more to find the answer. All right. So it's like, oh, great. Well, we'll see this. This is kind of odd, don't you think? Okay, well, what's the answer? So, you know, if you're going to be a truth seeker, be that and not a question seeker. All right, let's move on to something else because we do only have so much time and I, there are some things that I want to get to here. One of them being this news, news article that came out shortly after the Sandy Hook uh, tragedy. And it's titled Top 10 Myths About Mass Shootings. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we're not going to go through all 10 of them, but there are a few that I'd like to go through uh, kind of quickly here. If anybody wants to read all 10, 10 of them, a simple Google search, this will be the first thing that pops up. All right. So the first myth is that mass murderers kill indiscriminately. Well, that they snap and then kill indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. And the reality of that, according to this article is that mass murderers typically plan their assaults for days, weeks, or months. They are deliberate in their preparing for their missions and determined to follow through no matter what. And this is one thing that I was talking about regarding the high school. And we we had said that if he wanted revenge, Mm -hmm. that he would have gone to the high school. And I think that, that you could take this argument either way, according to this, this article here, right? The argument one way would be that going to the high school, even though he saw the police uh, cars there, that he would have went in and attempted this attack anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other argument that could be made is that they were simply an obstacle that he was not going to be deterred from carrying out his mission. And therefore he went to plan B or, or went off on the fly and did something, you know, went outside of his plan. All right. The next myth that we're going to, talk about is that enhanced background checks will keep dangerous weapons out of the hands of these madmen. And the reality is most mass murderers do not have a criminal record or have a history of psychiatric hospitalization. And the other myth is that restoring federal ban on assault weapons will prevent these horrible crimes. The reality is the overwhelming majority of mass murderers use firearms that would not be restricted by an assault weapons ban. In fact, semi-automatic handguns are far more prevalent in mass shootings. Of course, limiting the size of ammunition clips 
would at least force a gunman to pause and reload or switch weapons. Mm-hmm. And I, I look, I think we all can agree that if you got rid of, you know, if you got rid of all arms altogether, no guns, that these crimes wouldn't happen. Right, right. I mean, or or they would be forced to use find a different weapon, which would be less, um, you know, violent uh, of a situation, or or possibly more violent. I mean, it, it, you'd think. Oh, it, sorry, I meant in a number of victims type situation. But right, go ahead. right. But what I'm saying is that you know uh, there would still be people that would want to get revenge on their high school or whatever. And if they didn't have any guns, then there's other means, you know, explosives or whatever. And then the kill count actually could be way higher. Mm-hmm. And one thing I do want to point out that was very obvious when doing the research for this particular case, uh, we talk about gun laws, all right, and, and bring those into question when these events take place. We got to be clear here because laws are only good if they're followed. And right. in this particular situation, we had two gun laws that were broken by the shooter, by Adam Lanza. Now, had those gun laws been obeyed, then this this probably would have never have happened. At the time in the state of Connecticut, and it may still hold true to this day, but at that time, to, to own a gun, to be a gun owner, you had to have been of the age of 21 or older. Right. Adam Lanza was 20 at the time of, of, of this crime. Right. And the other law is that there are not to be any firearms on school property, which he obviously broke as well. Mm-hmm. The There has been a big argument as far as, you know, there's so many people that came out and said in the beginning of this situation that, you know, if Nancy Lanza would have just kept her guns locked up better, that this would have never have happened. There's plenty of evidence to, to, to prove to us that some of these guns were purchased for Adam's use. And we talked about the gun locker or the gun safe having no signs of being broken into or being tampered with. He clearly had access to that gun safe. Yeah, I mean, I think there's tons of missteps. Uh, But I think going back through his history, I mean, what a tough spot for her to be in, uh, trying to communicate with her son, trying to have her son have some kind of normal life. But because of those missteps, I think it created this giant tragedy. And the last myth that we will address is increasing security in schools and other places will deter mass murder. The reality, their answer that they give is most security measures will only serve as a minor inconvenience for those who are set on mass murder. If anything, excessive security in a fortress-like environment serve as a constant reminder of danger and vulnerability. And I got to say, Captain, I disagree with that last one. You know, I didn't didn't select ones on, from this article that I that I just were were things and ideals that I wanted to put out there for things that I believe in. This mm-hmm. last one I disagree with because exactly in this situation, in this exact situation with Sandy Hook, we saw some preventative measure put into place. Right, we saw that they had the the front doors were locked. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get in without having permission or or being granted permission. I do think that him having to shoot out that glass there, that did give some kind of warning to people inside as to what was going on. This was also a school that had practiced lockdown procedures before in Mm -hmm. the past. And a lot of the teachers went into lockdown mode during this attack. And I absolutely believe wholeheartedly that that did save some lives. Now, I'm not saying that um, you know, it says something about fortress-like environment only serves as a constant reminder of danger and vulnerability. I don't think that our schools or our shopping malls 
or places of business should be fortress-like. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a little bit above and beyond and ridiculous. But I do think that we live in a day and age where where these certain safety pr- procedures, lockdown procedures, and certain safety and security features should be used and utilized in these environments. Well, I have zero problem with our schools being fortresses because, uh, look, if you can go to a place to get an education, you should feel safe. Yep. Uh, and I, and I, and I wish, you know, these, these school shootings are becoming so common that it's like, just put an officer at each school and maybe that deters it a little bit. I agree. Yeah. There's going to be holes and gaps, but that would be something that we can do instantly that I think would uh, would change the outcome. It would be a giant leap forward. Yeah, and obviously I, I just wish this event never took place. Uh, and it was a, probably the toughest case for us to cover as far as emotionally uh, and very tough to cover with the fact that the most of the research that you find talks more about a hoax and more about a conspiracy than the actual events. And of course, our hearts and thoughts and prayers go out to anybody, anywhere affected by this horrible tragedy. Um, words can't describe what took place that day, and I, I do, I do hope and believe that some healing is taking place. And and we're we're under five years since this event took place. Um, I know that the grieving process doesn't end for all of us, uh, but some of us hopefully are starting to heal. And we we had several listeners that reached out to us saying that they were from the area, that they were involved. And uh, as far as the conspiracy stuff goes, uh, they said, look, this was reality to us, uh, and we felt it, and we had to deal with it, and we're still dealing with it. So our hearts go out to them. Recommended reading for this week, I'd like to recommend Newtown, an American Tragedy by Matthew Leshack. Matthew is a journalist for the Daily News New York. Mm-hmm. His book, Newtown, is a meticulous account of the Newtown massacre and its aftermath. This is a definitive journalistic account of Newtown and an essential examination of the facts, not only of that horrific day, but the perfect storm of mental instability and obsession that preceded it. Drawn from previously undisclosed emails, police reports, and in-depth interviews, Newtown and American Tragedy breaks through the misinformation to present the comprehensive story that must be told if we are going to prevent another American tragedy. Pick up Newtown by Matthew Leshack. You can do that by going to our website, truecrimegarage.com, and click on the recommended page. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't live. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 